0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I used to do what I called the painfully practical series, and um, and it was typically at the beginning of the year, and. um, so today I'm not doing a series. I'm going to do the painfully practical message. <laughs> so um, I will say though that of all the—I mean, I was a pastor for 30-something years, and and the few times that I did the painfully practical series, I will say that I got more positive feedback on that series than anything that I mean, bar none, of anything that I ever spoke. And I think that the reason is, I, I think, I mean, I believe that every single person in this room, I mean, you got up and you came to church on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, right? <laughs> so, so I believe you're here because you have a desire to grow. Yeah. You have a desire to know the Lord. You, I mean, that's why you're here. I mean, why else would you get up on Sunday morning and come to church? So I, I believe that everyone here has that desire but I think a lot of times we just don't really know what to do with it. And so that's kind of what my focus is today. And I'm going to read out of Joshua chapter 1. And um, I'm just going to read verse 8. I'll set it up. The, verse, the first seven verses has to do with Moses has died and God. <clears throat> did everybody get a copy? I don't know if I made enough copies or not. Um, the... Um, so Moses has died, and Joshua has been his assistant all for, well, a long time. I don't know how long, but a very, very long time. In fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but when Moses was up on the mountain, Joshua was up there with him. Just, he was there. He saw God. doesn't really say much about it, just that he was there. So Joshua is very much connected to Moses. And so now God's telling Moses... Well, I mean, telling Joshua, Moses is dead. And now it's your turn. You are the one that's going to be leading my people. And he tells them to be strong and courageous. It's going to take strength and courage. And then that brings us to verse 8. He says that, well, verse 7 says, Be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all that the law which Moses has commanded. Then verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So let's just pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today with this painfully practical message, that it will actually be joyfully practical, that it will be helpful I really ask you, Lord, that you'll help me to speak what you want me to speak and, and that you'll help people hear what you want them to hear and that there will be transformation that takes place because of application and, and an ongoing application of what we talk about today. I thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So he tells Joshua not to let this word depart from your mouth. Well, so that's, that's an interesting phrase, but, but, but I want to say that for it to not depart from his mouth, it had to first be in his heart, and for it to be in his heart, it had to first be in his mind, he had to know it, he had to know what it said. And and it's really interesting when you think about the fact that the word that he was reading was the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And and that word had just been completed. And it wasn't like it had been sitting on a shelf for 2,000 years like we have now, but it had just been written. Moses had just finished it. Moses had died at I don't know how long before his death. He finished it, but he just had written it. So it was freshly written. And God is telling Joshua, you have to know what's in these scrolls. You have to know what's in there, and then you meditate on it, but you first have to know it. And so my, my thought today is going to be, and I said it's painfully practical, but uh, hello. <laughs> I don't know if I turned mine off. I I turned myself off. Right, there we go. <laughs> I hope you're ready for this. So, so to know the Word, first we need to know about the Word. So I know for some people what I'm going to share right now, this is going to be such old news, and you're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying all that. But you just have to, hopefully you can just listen and enjoy and be blessed and realize that there are going to be some people in the room that aren't going to know what I'm telling them. And it's news for them. Yes. So, And it's going to hopefully be helpful for them. So first of all, to know the Word, we have to know about the Word. Yes. And so, so probably everybody in the room knows this, that the Bible is broken into two parts the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that actually might be news for someone. I don't know. But, but the Bible is broken into new part, two parts. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament was, is really the Jewish scriptures. In fact, the Protestant Old Testament is exactly the same as the Jewish Bible today. Now, it's arranged a little differently. There's, and instead of 1 and 2 Samuel, there's just Samuel. Instead of 1 and 2 Kings, there's just Kings. Instead of Ezra and Nehemiah, there's just Ezra and Nehemiah. And it's arranged a little differently, but it's exactly the same thing. What we have as the Old Testament is the same scriptures that the Jews use today. And in and the, and the scriptures, and we Christians see the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus. And there are so many prophecies. In fact, one year for Christmas, for my Christmas series, all I did was... Was speak about the prophecies that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And it's amazing. And so you see all of this coming to pass. We see it all coming to pass and focusing on Jesus. Well, the Old Old Testament, you guys are ready, right? Because this is very practical. But the Old Testament is broken into, it itself is broken into sections. So you have the first section, which is called the Pentateuch. Pentateuch means five. It's five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first 11 chapters of Genesis deals with the first 2,000 years of human history. It deals with a long period of time. But beginning in chapter 12, and I hope you can really pay attention, beginning in chapter 12, God calls Abraham. And that is the beginning of God working with Abraham a group of people that we now know as the Jews. And his whole purpose was so that he could two things. Number one, show what it was like to live as a godly people. So it, the Jews were never supposed to be exclusive. They were supposed to be inclusive. They were supposed to be including other people. And they really didn't do very well at that. But it was supposed to show This is what, that's why God gave the law. This is what it looks like to live a life pleasing to God. That was the first thing that God was doing when he called out Abraham. The second thing that he was doing was he was preparing a people through whom he was going to bring a savior that would redeem mankind to him. And so he said, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so that's, that was the beginning. That's the first five books. Then you have the historical books, which is Joshua, Judges, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and, and Esther. And, and that's really the history of the Jewish people. And it's like 800 years of time, and, or maybe almost 1,000, but, but it... it tells basically the story of the Jewish people, but it's just it shows how God is at work. And God narrows it down in the middle of that, and he he has Abraham, and now he narrows it down to King David. And he says, I'm going to bring the Savior through your line. And so we've narrowed it down, and God's still working. He's preparing the world so that he can bring a Savior to the world. And he's going to do that through King David. Then you have, painfully practical, just stay with me. So then you have what's called the poetical books. or you, They're also called the books of wisdom. And that's Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. And, and those, are, those are very unique. Psalms, for one thing, instead of God speaking to man, is man speaking to God. It's man's cry to God. He's just crying out to God in the midst of his trouble, in the midst of his trials. He's crying out to God in the midst of a, of, a, of a crooked, wicked world, and he's crying out to God. It's also a book about the kingdom of God, so it's a very powerful, powerful book. And then you have, after the poetical books, you have the Prophets. And you have the, what's called the major prophets and the minor prophets. They're just because of the size. But the prophets do several things. Number one, the prophets are very much about social justice. And I think we miss that a lot. But the prophets really decry social injustice. They stand for the poor. They stand for the widows. They stand for the orphans. They stand for aliens in the land. They are very much about social justice. They also speak to not only Israel, but all the surrounding nations, talking to them about judgment that's coming, if they don't line up. But then thirdly, all of the prophets speak about the coming Messiah. And they just give... I mean, sometimes in shocking detail. They talk about where he's going to be born, Bethlehem. Right, And so it just gives shocking detail about the coming Messiah. So that's the Old Testament. And when you read each section, you, when you read them, there's a different perspective. If you're reading Psalms, it's, it's a heart cry to God. If you're reading the prophets, you're looking for what they're saying. See that? And so we need to learn to read the different sections, understanding what it is they're saying to us. Y'all with me on that? All right, so then that moves us to the New Testament. And the New Testament is all looking back to Jesus. The Old Testament's looking forward to Jesus. The New Testament is all looking back to Jesus. And you have the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are called the Gospels. And those are the story of Jesus while he was on the earth. That's that's his life on the earth. And they all end with the resurrection. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, actually, Mark and Luke end with the ascension, Jesus going back into heaven. But they all end with the resurrection. And then you have the book of Acts, which is the book of history, which talks about really two things. It talks about the growth of the, I mean, the explosive growth of the church. The church began with 120 people, and within within 100 years, it covered the whole Roman Empire. It's an amazing growth of the church. But it also talks about the working of the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit came and empowered the people to live and to serve and to minister with God's power, they were not on their own. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And of course, the book of Acts doesn't end. It's just kind of like the last chapter, but it's, it's like, what? There's no actual ending to the book of Acts. Well, why is that? Because it goes on, right? We're still in the book of Acts, amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're still doing it. So so the work of the Holy Spirit is still active and empowering us and enabling us to do the work of God. We're still in it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. And then you have what's called the epistles, which are just letters. And the letters are two things at least, probably more, but at least two things. Number one, they're just very practical instruction for how to live Christian life. It's husband, how, to, how husbands are supposed to treat their wives, how wives are supposed to respond to their husbands, how parents are supposed to parent, how you're supposed to respond to a boss, that we work as if we're working for God. Come on now. Ouch. Wow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ouch, right. And, and, that, and then also, has, also gives instructions for bosses to workers. Yes. To remember, he says... You have a master in heaven, right? And so it's just very, very practical instructions. but it also it unpacks the work of Jesus. I mean, it explains the crucifixion and what that accomplished. It explains the resurrection and what that accomplished. It explains the ascension of Jesus back to the throne and what that accomplished. It's so powerful. And it's really, it's challenging to not get stuck in the epistles because they're so rich, because they just are unfolding Jesus for us, right? And then you have the book of Revelation, which is really a book of triumph. It's a book of showing that Jesus triumphs in every situation. And so that's really what it's about. So now that sermon, actually I forgot to tell you, I actually have three sermons in one. So, so, um, sorry, but uh, I probably need to be looking at that clock, but uh, the, um, so that's sermon number one, that, that's about the Bible, so if that's helpful for you, then great, if it's just old news for you, well, you survived it, so, (laughs) but um, now, now how do we read the Bible? How do we read the Bible? I think that we pastors, not Pastor Gwynmore, of course, but most of us pastors, are really good about telling you what to do, but we don't often tell you how to do it. And that's something I realized about myself a number of years ago, and I've worked hard at correcting it. I don't know how well I've done. But today I'm going to try my best. So how, I mean, if you're going to... if This verse says, then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. That's what we're shooting for. We're shooting for living successfully as a Christian. Walking victoriously as a Christian. That's what we're shooting for. Well, how are we going to get there? We're going to get there by not letting the word of God depart from our mouth and meditating on it day and night. That's how we're going to get there. And observing to do it. So I guess I should have told you what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to talk to you about being in the Word. I'm going to talk to you about meditating the Word. And I'm going to talk to you about doing the Word. All right, That's what I'm going to talk to you about. So, so how, how, how then do we actually read it? Now This is really painfully practical, but I, I want you to stay with me. So how do you read the Word? Now, first of all, let me say this. Some of you in here are diligent students of the Word, and and I applaud you for it. And I pray that today we'll just encourage you and inspire you to stay focused in the Word. But I happen to know, hesitant to say it, but I happen to know that a vast, vast number of you are not consistent in the Word. I teach in a Bible college, and, and I am amazed at how many Bible college students. I have a small group that I meet with, and, and two of them are seniors, and, and nobody in the group has ever read the Bible all the way through. So my goal is to get those guys through the Bible before they graduate Bible college, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> so. But my goal is the same for you. Yes, that's true. That's true. I, I know that. I know that. And I'm just a feeling like I don't want to feel like I'm fussing at you. But I just know that so many of us really are not in the Scriptures. And so my goal today is to change that. That's my goal. So how, how do you read the Bible? Well, I have three very practical things to say to you. Number one, you need a time. Number two, you need a place. And number three, you need a plan. You've got to have those three things. I'm going to tell you that without those three things, you will not be consistently in the scriptures. So what do I mean by a time? Well, by a time that you just have a time of the day that you typically read the word. For you, it may be early morning, it may be at the noon break, it may be at, in the evening. Whenever it is, it's a time that you typically spend time in the Word. Now, I say typically because obviously it changes. I mean, things happen and schedules get crazy, and I understand that. But I'm just saying on a typical day, on a typical day, at this time of the day, you're spending time in the Word of God. And you need a place. Now, that's my opinion. But I believe that you need kind of like that sacred spot where you know that you are going to meet with God. Now, for me, for many, many years, it's either been my front porch when the weather's nice, sitting on my rocking chair, or sitting in my recliner in my study. One of the two. It's where I have met with the Lord for many years. Oddly, it's changed in the past year because now I'm actually working full-time. It's so funny, but anyhow, that's another story. But, so now I'm working as a full-time professor. and So actually, I go to my office early. I have a huge window, and I go to my office early. And So now that's my place, and that's where I have my time with the Lord. But you need a place, and then you need a plan. Listen to me. You need a plan. So many people just pick up the Bible. Number one, they've missed a few days or a few weeks and they just pick up the Bible and they just kind of, well, wherever it happens to fall open and, I, you know, and so then they read. Now, Some of you are grinning because you know that it's true. <laughs> you know that it's true. <laughs> and and, and there are days that you just flip the Bible open and it's like, oh, God speaks to you. I understand that. But that cannot be your typical approach. You have to get a plan. If you are going to get in the Word and get the Word in you, you have to have a plan. So you can go to YouVersion and look at that. They've got... Um, <clears throat> <laughs> so God's calling, but um, uh, <laughs> you, and they've got all kind of plans on there, but let me just say this about the plan. Um, it, I prefer a plan that is through the Bible. So I, I, I think that you could do a series where you where you really just want to focus on a topic and that's fine. you can do that. For a season. (laughs) Or you may really want to focus on one book of the Bible and just really dig it out. That's okay, too, for a season. But I think on an ongoing, typical basis, you need to be reading through the Bible. So I'll just tell you my plan. Just to give you my plan, I start every day with a psalm. And then there's only 150 psalms. So when I finish that, then I go into Proverbs. And then I go into Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. I go through the poetical books. I start my day there. And I just meditate on that. And then I do two chapters in the Old Testament. Just two chapters. And then I do one chapter in the New Testament. And let me tell you how I do the New Testament. I'm just... Well, I'm just going to continue. So here's how I do the New Testament. I do a gospel, and then I do the book of Acts, and then I do another gospel, and then I do the Pauline epistles, then I do another gospel, and then I do the rest of the epistles and Revelation and the final gospel. And why I like that plan, it keeps me in the gospels all year long. I like that. I like to be constantly coming back to the life of Jesus, right? And so it just keeps me in the Gospels all year. Now, that's just one plan. You go on YouVersion, There's a you can get a through the Bible in one year. You can go to the bookstore and get a through the Bible in one year Bible. I've known several people that the first time they ever read through the Bible was by getting a through the Bible in a year Bible and read it. And, that's a, and it does basically the same thing. It breaks it up. How many have ever read that? You reading it right now? Awesome! Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but the point is, is you want to get through the Bible. Amen. You guys with me so far? Okay. Painfully practical. Yeah, you got to get through the Bible. Got to read it. All right, let's see. Um, I'm going to look at my notes for a minute so I figure out where I am. All right, so now then, how are we reading? Time, place, and a plan. Next thing you have to do, you have to ask some questions. When you read that passage of Scripture, you want to know this. Number one, number one question. It's on your notes, but underline it, write it down, do something What does this passage tell you about God? That needs to be your number one question. What does this passage tell you about God? I mean, is it he ultimately what we're looking for? Right. And so, number one, what does it tell you about God? And then you ask some other questions. You can ask, what promises do I see here that God wants me to embrace and to receive. What commands do I see here that I need to follow and obey? Right? And, and then, and you're just, you're just asking questions like that. Now, there's a whole how to study, and I'm not going to get into that, but there's this whole thing about who wrote it and who they write it to and why did they write it. That's all important stuff that helps you understand what's going on, right? But, but if you just remember those main questions, what does it tell me about God? What promises am I, do I see here that I can embrace and receive into my life? What commands do I see that I need to listen to, right? And then you, you respond to that. And then we're going to talk, we're going to hit pause on that. We're going to finish up talking about doing the word. The next thing that he said to him, is you are to meditate on the Word. And meditation is, um, it, I know that it has kind of a bad rap. We think about meditation, we think about Eastern religion. But Eastern religion co-opted what was, first of all, biblical. It was biblical before it was Eastern, right? So biblical meditation has to do, it, the word literally means to mutter. M-U-T-T-E-R, mutter. And it's the picture of an old man, me, on my front porch in my rocking chair, right? And and the old man is is caught up in his memories. He's reliving life. And he's so caught up in his memories, he's talking to himself about it. And that's, that's what meditation is that we're so caught up in the scriptures that we're talking to ourselves about it. It means to ponder. It means to to think deeply about. It, 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 the picture would be like a dog with a bone, just chewing on that bone. And that's a good picture of, of us just taking the word and, and chewing on it and wrestling with it and, and trying to understand it and, Wanting to apply it to our lives. That's meditation. That's meditation. <clears throat> meditation, it, but we're limited humanly with what, this is sermon number two, three. We, we're, we're limited humanly what we can really understand. Yeah. First Corinthians 2 says that the natural mind cannot understand the things of God. The natural mind cannot understand the things of God. But, it says, the Holy Spirit reveals them to us. So our meditation, this this involves the working of the Holy Spirit, where we're allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and to to speak to us and to bring revelation to us and and give us understanding that we couldn't have on our own. Do you all hear that? Yeah. That we allow the Holy Spirit to come. We allow him to minister in our hearts. And, and we just sit there, we're thinking about, we're pondering, we're meditating on what we've read. And we just say, Holy Spirit, help me see this. Help me understand this. And he, and he comes and he, he opens up our understanding. We think, wow. And we see things that we could not have seen before. That's the working of the Holy Spirit. And that takes place in meditation. That takes place in meditation. Well, so let me wrap it up. The the next thing is to do. To do. So number one, we want to read it. We need to study it. And the study is a whole other subject. In fact, we did a whole series of classes two summers ago on how to study the Scriptures. And we'll do that again. But how to study. But but if you you just begin with good, solid, consistent reading, you're going to be way ahead of the game, right? Way ahead of the game. Then you learn to meditate. I mean, even if you just read through, and if you just take five minutes just to quietly ponder and pray and allow the Holy Spirit, and and that's a great place if you're if you have prayer language, you just pray quietly in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to help you see things that you cannot see on your own. And then thirdly, we do all of that so that we can do it, right? So that we can observe to do it, it says. Now let me, let me make this statement. If in your Bible reading you never feel challenged. You never feel corrected. In fact, sometimes you might even feel rebuked. If we never experience that, I wonder how deeply we're actually reading the Scriptures. So what I say is we have to learn to respect the Word. And what I mean by that is I realize that I have to shift and adjust my life to fit the word rather than trying to adjust and shift the word to fit my life. And we're all guilty. Every single person in the room. And, And I just know that because I know human nature. We're all guilty of trying to, I just really wanted to say this, right? But instead, we've got to say, oh, God, help me shift. Help me change. Thank you for correcting me. And we, and we, we guard the word so that we do it. So that we do it. And when we do that, he says, we'll prosper and we'll have good success. And I don't think prosper in that, in that setting has anything to do with finances, although I think our finances will be prospered if we follow God. But in that particular setting, it's not really having to do with finances. It's having to do with being successful at what God's called him to do. It, it means pushing through and, and, and going over the top and, and, and making and, and, and fulfilling what God's called him to do. Well, God's called you. He's called every single person in the room. He has a calling on your life. And, and we can, so listen carefully, we can go through an entire lifetime and just basically float through life. And we get at the end, and we look back, and it may have been a good life, but have we really done what God called us to do? And that, that's my prayer. When I get to the end of my life, whenever it is, I want to be able to look back and be like the Apostle Paul and say, wow, it's been a good life. I did what God called me to do. I fulfilled his purposes for me, and I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. That's what I want my life to be like. And the way we do that is applying this message, is being in the Word, meditating the Word, obeying the Word, and letting the Word shape us, not trying to shape the Word according to our lives. And that's how we prosper and are successful. Amen? So so here's how we want to wrap up. You've got notes. I want you to be able to um, maybe make some, jot down some things. But first, my first prayer, here's my first prayer. For those who do not have a time, place, and plan, I pray that by the end of today, you will have one. That's my prayer. That you'll have a time designated, a place designated, and a plan of how you're going to read through the Bible. And if not by today, within the next couple days, that you'll have done some research and you'll have decided on a plan. So that's my prayer. For those of us who... who um, have never read the scriptures through. And I, I know that's probably a lot of us. That God will, it won't be, it won't be like you're checking off the box. Okay, I, I did it now, I read the Bible. Now it won't be like that, but it be this heart hunger to know the word, to be in the word. Be a heart hunger to know all of the word. And so my prayer is for those who have never read the Scriptures, and it doesn't have to be in a year. I mean, I typically try to read through every year, but it could be a year and a half or a couple of years. It's okay. But, but you, you will get through the Scriptures. That's my prayer, that you're going to get through the Scriptures. Let me warn you about Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> So the very first time that I ever actually read through the whole Bible, I was a teenager, I started in Revelation and read backwards because I don't know how many years I started in Genesis and bogged down in Leviticus, right? It's like, oh my God, I can't get through this. And then I would just, and then just quit instead of thinking, okay, I can just skip it. <laughs> but, 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 And, I, and I, I actually did that for a while. I skipped it, but. But the first time I ever read through, all the way through, I started Revelation and I read backwards. But that's another story. You could try that if you want. But, um, <clears throat> but it got me through it. Because by the time, I mean, so time I got to the end of Leviticus, I was determined then, buddy. I was making it, right? So I made it. So whatever works for you. But, but you get a plan. And you get through the Bible. And then my prayer is this. For those of us that have read the word, Um, lightly, we haven't really pondered it, and meditated on it, and we haven't allowed ourselves to be challenged by it. Ask yourself, when is the last time you felt corrected or rebuked by the Word of God? If, If you can't think of a recent time, then I would say lovingly that you're probably not reading it very deeply. Because the word of God, and God does it lovingly. He's not mad at us. But he knows what it's going to take for us to succeed and to prosper. And he challenges us and he corrects us. So that's my prayer. If you've just read it lightly, that God will help you dig in deep and meditate and ponder and ruminate. Pray in the spirit and let him speak. His word to your heart. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.